Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Good morning and welcome to another Liverpool.com podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm joined by Liverpool.com editor Matt Addison. Once again, Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to this morning's chat. But uh, yeah, it's been another another busy week for us, hasn't it? A lot of, of Shabby Alonso articles on the website, which I'm sure people will be, uh, be very keen to check out. Yeah, absolutely. He's been the story this week. It's it's almost easy to forget that Liverpool are, are sort of in a, in a quadruple push themselves with the kind of hype around Alonso. You do feel a bit bad for Klopp that sort of Alonso has, has come to prominence so much in conversation, but it's impossible not to think about what comes next. And, and in a way, that's a testament to Klopp because it's only such a big question because the task of replacing Klopp is, is so huge. And, and I think we've sort of reached the point where there's almost consensus, really, that Alonso is the man for the job, which is it's pretty remarkable that, that he has risen to that prominence so quickly. We, we did do a show last week looking at Alonso and other contenders, so be sure to check that out. There are other names in the mix, but but we are at this point where Alonso is the one, aren't we, Matt? Do, do you think he's sort of head and shoulders above everyone else at the minute? I think so. I think that's the um, the conclusion that I've come to, certainly. Um, I think, that, to be fair, that's what we said last week, isn't it, really? He was the, the number one pick. There are others... I know a, a few people um, this week on on Twitter or X, as I should say, um, have, have messaged me and said, you know, well, what happens if Alonso says no? Uh, we will sort of discuss it a little bit of that later on in the show. But I think he is the outstanding candidate, and in a weird way, he's almost the outstanding candidate partly because he is the outstanding candidate. And, and by that, I mean, if Xavi Alonso was the person to take over from Jurgen Klopp, I think everyone would be behind that. Whereas I think with pretty much every other option that might happen at some point in the future but right away there might be a few more questions if it was you know Deserby can he translate what he's done with Brighton is there a bit of a question mark over Brighton's form can he do that with Liverpool um Ruben Amarim was was one that we discussed last week with him as well there's there's maybe a question mark over you know how long would it take for him to adjust to coming into the Premier League would he adjust to being a, a bigger club with much bigger expectations as quickly I think there are question marks, obviously, about Xabi Alonso. He's not Jurgen Klopp. He's not at the peak of his managerial career. But it just feels to me like if it was Alonso, everyone would instantly get behind him and, and be on board with it. He'd probably get more time to um, adjust to the situation and how it's going to be next season. I think Liverpool fans would be more patient with him. But I think that's an element of it that we shouldn't underestimate because it's it's easy to forget, really, before Jurgen Klopp, for as long as I can remember, there's always been... Certainly, at the very least, small portions, but quite often large portions of the Liverpool fan base of, you know, whoever has been in charge. There's, there's always been questions. You know, Brendan Rodgers obviously nearly wins Liverpool the league, but that wasn't enough to convince everybody to be on his side. There were question marks from the day he came in. Obviously, Roy Hodgson is an extreme example, but you even go back to, to Rafa Benitez. There were certain questions at certain points of were Liverpool um, in the, the perfect position managerially with him. 
I think with Jurgen Klopp, we've kind of come to forget that really. And I think with Xabi Alonso, that's the, the closest you can get to that continuity of pretty much 100% of the Liverpool fan base, if it was Xabi Alonso, I think would be excited and would certainly be on board with what comes next. Yeah, and I suppose you could say the same about the players as well, in a way. I mean, they're all professionals. You would you would trust that they sort of give any new manager a fair crack of the whip. But in the back of their minds, even sort of subconsciously, if you have someone who comes in with that kind of cachet, that kind of name recognition already, Alonso garnered so much respect in his playing career. And of course, he's, he's one of the most exciting young managers out there. So he comes in and you feel like there would be that kind of instant respect, that instant sort of, receptiveness to, to what he has to say um, from reports out of Germany. It seems like he's very kind of active in training as well. Of course, he's not that long retired in the grand scheme of things. I worked out for a piece the other day. It's around seven years, which is pretty remarkable. It doesn't feel like that long at all. But, you know, the point being that he's still of an age where he can get involved in those training sessions. He can do what he's telling his players to do. If he wants to show someone how to do it, he can demonstrate it. And, you know, that, that's sometimes as much of a curse as it is a blessing. You look at Steven Gerrard and you wonder if maybe he's frustrated as a manager because the players can't do what he could do as a player it, 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 to a certain extent. But Alonso seems to have harnessed it as a positive. And I think that would be a kind of lift to the players to have someone who can come in and and play that role. And like you say, just instantly command respect from, from all sides, really. Uh, but I think what's really got people even more excited in the last few days is, is that buying game. I mean, I don't know whether you were able to, to catch all of that, but it was a, it was a, uh, it was a real statement, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. Um, I wasn't able to catch it live because unfortunately they didn't have it on in the Anfield press room. I was kind of hoping that they'd have it on in the background, but uh, for some reason the, the TV wasn't turned on. But um, yeah, I, I've seen obviously highlights and we've written extensively about that game and, and sort of what it means within the, the Bundesliga title race. It, it's obviously a statement. You know, teams don't restrict Bayern Munich in the same way. I think you could see from the Thomas Muller interview afterwards quite how annoyed he was about how poorly his team had played and obviously there's an element of Bayern underperforming and, and Thomas Tuchel not doing enough with the, the squad that he's got but clearly you know for Xabi Alonso and, and Bayern, Bayer Leverkusen to, to be in the position that they're in he's obviously doing a lot right as well so I think that was an example really of exactly what Liverpool should be looking for this is a manager who is overperforming against expectations he's overperforming against a team that has a lot more money and a lot more um sort of talent, I suppose, on, on paper, which is, is broadly similar to what Liverpool would have to do with Manchester City you know, or, or have done and will have to continue to do. Um, I think there are parallels between you know, that, that kind of being the underdog and, and maybe trying to, to win the league against a, a much, um, well, not a much bigger club, but a club with a lot more resources, I think is, is certainly the, the case in, in England. So, yeah, it was, it, it was a really impressive, really impressive performance. And I think for me... It, it, it's a performance that clearly puts them in the driving seat. I, I was listening to, to something before. It, it said that I think Bayern have, have won 10 Bundesligas in a row or whatever it is for you know the, the time since 2012. I think only twice in that period have they at this point in the season had more points than what Bayer Leverkusen have got now. So it's not like the league has dropped off this season and Bayer Leverkusen have taken advantage. They've really got to that kind of level of, of consistency. They're obviously unbeaten. No team in, in Germany has ever gone a whole season unbeaten. That could potentially be something that they do this season. Um, just whichever way you, you look at it, really, it's, it, it's a really, really impressive job. And I think even if Bayer Leverkusen don't go on and win the league, I think Alonso is still 
my outstanding candidate for the Liverpool job. Um, you know, even if Bayern Munich come back, they win all of the games. Leverkusen slip up a couple of times. They've still got a couple of tricky fixtures. I think Frankfurt, they've still got to play. I think they've got to, to, to play Leipzig as well. That might be wrong on that one. But I think even if they come second, that's still a massive overperformance considering I think they were second bottom when Alonso took over 18 months ago. They've obviously lost um, Moussa Diaby in the summer, one of their best players from last season, but that hasn't deterred them. I think even if they don't win the league, and I think they will win the league, um, but even if they don't win the league, I, I don't think that takes away too much from the job that he's done generally. Yeah, I think it's an important point about Bayern. People do sort of assume that it's it's almost this historically weak version of Bayern, but that, that's not the case. You look at you know how they sort of cruise through that, that Champions League group with very little fuss. You look at Thomas Tuchel, who's his track record, you know, they sacked a, by all accounts, a, a good upcoming manager in Nagelsmann to get in Tuchel because he's the one they, they wanted for a long time. And in any other season, if there wasn't a Bayer Leverkusen being so persistently brilliant, you'd think, OK, all's, all's gone to plan because they'd be cruising in the in the Champions League, maybe top of the Bundesliga. So, yeah, it, like you say, it really is an incredible performance on, on many levels. It's not sort of this kind of Leicester City job where they've they've come from nowhere and sort of benefited from a weaker league than usual. And I also want to pick up on on your sort of parallel you drew between sort of the Liverpool Man City situation and then Leverkusen and Bayern. I think that's it's a good point for that game in particular because we saw a side of Leverkusen that maybe we didn't see too much for the rest of the season because for the most part, you look at Alonso, he likes playing this sort of expensive football, this team's just a lot of the ball, much like Liverpool do most weeks. But then he goes to, to play some go to Bayern, Bayern comes to him, but you know, he, he comes and gets this fixture and suddenly, it, I think we're finished on about 39% possession. So the question is, you know, how does your team perform without the ball? What's your kind of focus in that? in that area of the game and it's so important and we've seen Klopp place a big focus on it as well and it's these kind of games against like you say the the big opponents where it really comes to the fore and it was just it was a masterclass really Bayern just they had more of the ball but they never looked like doing anything with it at all Kane reduced to 18 touches I think the whole team had one shot on target I mean Alonso just dictated how the game was going to go he was like right okay you can have the ball if you have it there but as soon as you try this it's not going to happen. And Tuchel, like we said, a renowned coach, he's won a lot of, of the biggest honours in the game. He, he had no answers. He has you know, a great squad. He has the tactical acumen himself. But Alonso completely had his number, completely shut him down. And yeah, it was just the press as well. It's I think you wrote a piece on it and it's worth, it's worth picking up on because Alonso after the game, he was asked, you know, how much was was your two number sixes key in sort of protecting the front three? And he says, well, actually, the front three was important. And, you know, that that's that's exactly that could have come out of Klopp's mouth. That sort of defending from the front sort of mantra, uh, how they sort of close the spaces, cut off the passing lanes. It's yeah, it's it looks like he's a great fit for Liverpool, not in terms of just what he's achieved, but in terms of how he's achieved it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You look at the Liverpool squad and you look at the Alonso tactics and you think, right, I can see how these would marry up. That's not to say he'd come in and, and switch to three at the back necessarily, but his kind of broader philosophy of how the game is played is not a million miles away from, from what the squad is used to. And I think that's that's something that Liverpool will be looking to do, like, like we say, for the kind of continuity aspect. 
and we'll move on to to the style of play now. Do, do you think that sort of we would see that switch from Liverpool? Do you think right that's it? Alonso's in three at the back, or do you think it's more kind of subtle than that? I think it's more um, the, the broad principles of, of what he wants to do. Um, I don't think this Liverpool squad, for example, is particularly well set up to have a back three. I don't think they've got enough centre-backs at the moment anyway. I think we'd probably all like one more just to be a little bit safer. Obviously, Matip is out of contract and we don't know what's going to happen with him. But I think to go three at the back full-time would be a bit of a, a change. But I don't think you have to play three at the back to do some of the things that Alonso is is doing with this team. I think that the sort of attacking system that he sets up, he's probably got very different players at Leverkusen to, to what he would have at Liverpool as sort of number 10 type players that Liverpool have got, but maybe not in the same way as Florian Wirtz. I don't think Leverkusen necessarily have players who play wide in the same way as, as Luis Diaz, for example. He, he tends to use uh, Alex Grimaldo, the, the, the left wing back, as, as the, the width and, and maybe Diaz could do a similar sort of job, but obviously you're not going to see Luis Diaz playing effectively left back out of possession. So there's the certain things that I think would would change within the system, but I think Jamie Carragher was, was really interesting on, on Monday Night Football and I'm sure a lot of, of people will have, have watched that and if, if they haven't, it, it's worth, worth checking out the, the analysis of it. I think things like the lots of short, quick passes and then maybe a switch of play once you've enticed a, a team to, to come in and, and press you and, and play out and, and be brave. I think maybe that's something that we might see. Um, that There was um, a graph that Jamie Carragher put up on the, the, the screen in the Sky Studio where it showed sort of where Liverpool are for the, the short passes and the number of passes per game compared to, to Manchester City. Leverkusen are much more um, sort of Guardiola-like rather than, than Klopp-like. But equally, I think Klopp is, is probably more Guardiola-like now than what he was when he first came in. So there's maybe a bit of a sliding scale in terms of, of where that would be. I think there would be things that, that change with Liverpool, but I also think one of the um, the key strengths with what Alonso has done with his team so far, Sociedad and, and obviously now um, Leverkusen as well, is he's adapted to the players that he's got. I don't think we should look at it and think, well, he plays... 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1 or whatever you want to call it at Leverkusen. So that's what he'd squeeze these Liverpool players into. I think he's very, very much got a, a clear idea of what he wants to do in and out of possession. But I think he's even said it himself. He, he doesn't really think about formations as formations. Um, I, I know, again, um, the, the Carragher analysis was, was very much along the lines of he does one thing with the ball and a very different thing without the ball. I think you can kind of see a, a fluidity to, to the way that he's coached and, and managed so far. And I think the, the the broad strokes would be similar, but I don't think it would necessarily be a case of suddenly Virgil van Dijk's got two players next to him instead of one. I think it would be um, it would probably be more subtle in terms of how it looked um, to be written down, if not actually in practice. Yeah, and Maguire influence, of course, it makes sense given that he played under him for, for a reasonable stretch. We, we've talked at length, but the kind of enviable playing CV he has in terms of who he worked under so it almost seems predestined that he would become a great coach with some of those names that he he could take different things from I mean you know he's his own coach at the end of the day he, he said the same himself but you know when you're that kind of player anyway sort of at the base of the midfield you're watching the game play out in front of you and then you're getting these instructions from from some of the greats of the generation it, it can't hurt um, and I suppose we talk about how the squad matches up with with what he does at Leverkusen. That, that of course he he has the option to to add to the squad himself. You, you look at Liverpool's spending in the last 
year or two, you look at the the big money bid that went in for Moises Caicedo, which which of course came to nothing, and then and then it was Endo and Gravenberg to end the window. So much sort of more modest spends. It's it's not as simple as the Caicedo money just sitting in a bank account somewhere ready to be spent. But you would assume to a certain extent that when the new manager comes in, they'll they'll have some kind of funds to to make the squad their own. So, so if he did want to go to three at the back, we mentioned that Liverpool would kind of want that extra centre back anyway. Maybe we could be looking at you know, an elite centre-back coming in and, and then it's more on the table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, Liverpool have, have obviously shown that they've got a lot of young players that are, are set to come through. I know Luke Chambers was linked with a move to Bayern Munich, uh, to, to buy Leverkusen, sorry, last summer. So that is obviously a, a player, if if that was the case, maybe he's someone that Alonso might like to work with, for example, or we've seen, you know, Kwanzaa, maybe not come out of nowhere is, is probably not quite fair to put it like that, but has, has certainly stepped up a lot more than, than what we thought. And again, we've seen, uh, similar to Klopp, we've seen Alonso do a lot of, of work with with young players and bringing through talent and, and trusting them to, to set up in, in senior matches and, and big big occasions. So I think the, the transfer point is interesting. The youth products is, is interesting as well. I think there's, there's a couple of different ways, really, that you can evolve and just because Liverpool don't necessarily have those players now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they wouldn't in the summer. But I think he's, like I say, very much someone who would assess that and, and look at the best way to get the best out of the group that he's got, rather than just being completely fixed to, to one way of, of playing. It, it might take a little bit of time. We've, we've seen it with with Klopp. I mean, he came in and played 4-2-3-1 for a bit and then changed, and it was only when he got the players that he wanted that he eventually switched. So... It might be the case that there's a bit of continuity to begin with and then it changes. It might be the other way around, but I think broadly speaking, they are they're similar enough in the way that they are attacking coaches. They're very much counter pressing, they're very much, you know, more certainly more latter end clock has been more possession based because his teams have been much more dominant. I think there's there's enough crossover there to think that this Liverpool squad will be able to adapt and and, and kick on really in terms of, of where they're at because We've got to remember as well that Jurgen Klopp would leave behind a squad of, of players who not all of them have been there for ages or even the ones that have been there for a few years. You think of, of Harvey Elliott is still only 20. There's, there's still a couple of different ways that you could go with Harvey Elliott. I'm not 100% sure what his best position is. Dominic Savoslai has, has only been here a short time. There's lots of there's lots of players that are not 100% fixed in what they have to be. I think there's, there's players within this Liverpool squad that if Xabi Alonso or whoever it is wants to change them. I think that's definitely a possibility as well. Even so, I'm sure we would see a sort of barrage of links to buy Leverkusen players in the first few weeks. If he did join, of course, Florian Villets is one who, who we all seem to like the look of. Uh, and then Piero Hincapié in defence has, has been linked with Liverpool since last summer. So that would be one to maybe keep an eye on as well. But yeah, like you say, transfer is very much not the most important element. He, he has most of the tools he needs. And in fact, anyone who succeeds Klopp is in that kind of enviable position of of inheriting not only an extremely talented squad, but an extremely young squad. The, the only kind of downside, of course, is that you have to be the one to follow Klopp, which brings with it ridiculous expectations. But as we say, maybe Alonso is the one best place to handle that. And I suppose before we get into the question of, of whether he would definitely take the job, so... What what do you think it is? We we sort of touched on it, but that kind of Alonso would offer that that maybe other candidates wouldn't bring to the table in in that way. I think the the biggest thing really is is what we said before in terms of him knowing Liverpool and and knowing what it's like to be in charge of of a big club. I think there's um, 
it sort of balances itself out really in that he's not the most experienced manager on the, the short list. There's, there's people who've been in the game longer or, you know, been been around the, the Premier League or have done similar level jobs who've been linked with the, the Liverpool job. But I don't think anybody has got the kind of level of expertise. Like you say, he's, he's been at Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. He's, as a player rather than a manager, been at, at the very top level. I know it doesn't always translate. And we've seen with, with Xavi, I mean, he was at Barcelona for so long and, and such a, a key player for, for them. But as a manager, he's obviously leaving in the summer because he doesn't feel that he's able to, to continue. It's took a bit more of a, a toll on him than what he thought it would do. And you'd think if anybody could cope with it, it would be someone like him. So it's it's not a perfect science in terms of Xabi Alonso has been there as a player. So maybe he can do that same sort of, of level of um, sort of being able to, to manage the expectations or, or whatever it might be. But I just think it's... He's someone who would get behind um, what Liverpool is about. The fans would get behind him. It, it just makes sense, really, I think, as, as a next step. And I know we're going to come on to the question of would he take it, but I just think he'd back himself. He, he, he's obviously someone who, throughout his career, has, has backed himself to go from you know Liverpool to, to Real Madrid and get into that team. He's obviously played for Bayern Munich as well, where the, the competition is, is strong. He's been in, in Spain squads that have, have won World Cups and, and had to battle for his place and, and has successfully managed to do that for, for certain periods. I think he would probably look at it and think, well, yeah, it's a big step up and yeah, it's a big it's a big task to, to, to take over from Jurgen Klopp for whoever does that. But I think what we've seen of, of Xabi Alonso in the past is that, yes, he will be patient and he's not going to rush to take things. But equally, I think he'd back himself to, to get a lot out of, of this current group of, of Liverpool players and I just look at it as a really appealing job for whoever comes next. I know it's it's a challenge and it's a test, but you've got such a, a high level of, of player there that whatever happens for the rest of the season, if Liverpool win a couple of trophies or if Liverpool win the league, well, I think, yes, that, that can be a drawback for whoever comes next in terms of the expectations. But I don't think the expectations would be massively different if Liverpool comes second to Manchester City this season. The expectation is that they go and challenge for the league next year, whoever the manager is. So... I don't personally think it changes that much. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And I suppose how often does the Liverpool manager's job come up is another question that will be in his head. We hope that the next manager comes in and we have another, you know, eight, nine, ten years in an ideal world because because they're that successful. So, you know, when he was at Sociedad B his next step was a little bit less defined. He wasn't sort of, you know, there were lots of clubs that would have been a step up on paper. So he was able to kind of turn down mention Glad back and say, you know, I'll take another year at Sociedad B. I'll, I'll keep on honing my craft and then I'll take the next step, which people have sort of brought up as a, a reason to think maybe, maybe he doesn't quite fancy Liverpool yet. Maybe he wants to stay at Leverkusen a bit longer. But if this opportunity is presented to him, is it going to be a, a lot harder to turn down? Yeah, I mean, you'd look at it and think probably in an ideal Xabi Alonso managerial career, he would manage Liverpool at some point. He'd manage Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. And which of those three jobs is more likely to come round once every seven or eight years? And which one is more likely to come round every 18 months or two years? You know, statistically, it's not that likely. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I did do a piece on this just before Christmas in terms of, of the Real Madrid job. And you have to go back more than 20 years, I think, for a manager to have done more than, than three years in charge of, of Real Madrid. That 
you know, is unlikely to, to, to change much. It might go up a little bit over the, the course of the next few seasons. Obviously, you know, Carlo Ancelotti has signed a new contract and I think that might make him the, the longest serving manager for about two two decades. So I think there's there's definitely more opportunities if things go right for Liverpool. There's more opportunities for you know Bayern or Real Madrid to change their manager. There will be more opportunities. Whereas I think you can probably make an argument that this might be the chance for, for Xabi Alonso if he wants to, to get this Liverpool job. Then that might not be the case. But I think you can definitely you can definitely make the argument for that being the case. And I think that plays into sort of convincing his family that it's the right thing. You know, his his family are not going to want to to move lots and lots of times. There might have been a long term plan to do another year or two at Leverkusen and and then maybe reassess things. But I think it makes it a lot easier to um, to sort of make that argument in your own head almost of well, okay, we're maybe moving a year before what we thought we were going to in the the big long term plan. But actually, if we move now, it might be seven, eight, nine years. Hopefully. That he can be in Liverpool, and then it might be a move after that that comes, rather than you know chopping and changing. So I can see both sides of it, but I think if I was him, I would try and win the Bundesliga this season and go off on the, the highest of highs. I don't. I know there's there's an argument if he wins it, can he keep the group together? Can he go again next season? But I, I almost think that if you win the league this season, you can't do any better than that. No matter what they do in the Champions League next season. They're probably not going to win it. They're probably not going to win the Bundesliga again. I think for me, if I was him, get the title this season, go out on a high and, and take the job whilst you can because we've seen with with other managers in the past, Steven Gerrard being an obvious example, but there's others as well. Sometimes you've you've got to pick your moments and, and, and take the jobs at the right times. And I think I think this feels like the right time for, for me, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see firstly whether Liverpool want him to be the man, but then if they do, whether he agrees. Yeah, and I suppose on the flip side of that, you, you would think that Alonso will back himself and go, you know, I maybe maybe not Liverpool, but there will be other opportunities for me. I'm sure I'll be as much of an in-demand manager if I stay at Leverkusen for another season. So I suppose he could be rationalising it as, as this won't be my only chance for, for a really big job, if nothing else. And I mean, obviously, from our perspective, we're, we're looking at it through very much red-tinted goggles and we're going, well, of course he'd want to move to Liverpool. But uh, just before we finish... Was your perspective sort of at all changed? Were you a little bit concerned at all from uh, from the Leverkusen director coming out and being fairly bullish and saying that you know he, he's sure that they'll have they'll have Alonso beyond this season? Not particularly. Um, I, I don't think he can really say anything else. I think if it would have been a story if he'd have said anything else, and I think we've got to remember as well um, in Germany they do a lot of interviews, they do a lot of um, of media, whereas obviously in England. We've seen with Jörg Schmacker when he was at Liverpool, obviously, has, has left now, didn't really say anything. I, I wouldn't know what his voice sounded like. He, he didn't do any um, any media in the same way that he would have done when he was in Germany. So it's fairly normal for, for these people to, to speak after every match. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll hear uh, again from him before the end of the season. But I know they've been quick by Leverkusen for a long time, not just since Jürgen Klopp has left, but they've been been saying for a while now there's, there's no official... Um, release clause within his contract, if you like. But I would be very surprised if if Liverpool came in for him, and he wanted to take it. I'd be very surprised if they tried to to stand in his way. I think it it makes sense to sort of position yourself as as a club for for players and for managers. I know they it's almost a bit patronising to say that they 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 need to position themselves in that way. But it's it's similar to a Brighton 
or you know um, a sporting or whoever it might be that, that Liverpool might look at. I think it almost makes sense a little bit for those clubs to to not block that pathway because what happens when the next Xabi Alonso comes available, uh, the next up and coming you know Florian Verts or whoever it might be, you don't want to stand in those players' way because you know the next one might then think twice. So I think there's there's definitely an argument that they might think that he's definitely going to stay there, but I don't necessarily think we should take those words at, at face value at, at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, even a Borussia Dortmund who have been sort of the, the perennial challenges of Bayern over the years have had to kind of lean on that model of of not only losing their best talent, but often losing it to Bayern. And they've, they've had to do that really to, to keep challenging at the top of the league and in Europe. It's just, it's just the only way in terms of competing with these these sort of financial giants so yeah I think I think you make a good point and I agree that probably we can't be reading too much into into what their their sporting director has to say but time will tell and you know we don't know we don't like you say we don't know what will happen in the league yet we don't know whether that will affect anyone's thinking I'm inclined to agree that whatever happens from here he's he's more than shown his credentials so but we'll all still be watching very closely and hoping that he can get it over the line from just because we, we're looking out for how well he does, but also maybe from that selfish position of maybe that's the perfect way for him to sign off. And this is the perfect way for us to sign off. We're done there. Thanks for everyone who's watched along and we'll be back again next week. Be sure to tune in then. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.